This is the Best of the Adam Gold Show podcast, brought to you by Coach Pete at Capital Financial Advisory Group. Visit us at CapitalFinancialUSA.com. Uh, Luke DeCock of the News and Observer joins us every Friday, although we've, bo- we've both been off, I think, some Fridays. Uh, how are you? Are you ready for the holiday? If I had one more person ask me if I am ready for Christmas, I, I mean, are you ready for Christmas, Luke? Yeah, I, I guess. Yeah, sure. <laughs> it's it's coming. Uh, yeah, no, I mean it's 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 fine. I, you know, to me, people talk about Christmas and the holiday season. To me, it's 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 bowl travel season. So that's really more where my logistical focuses. Where are we heading? That's that's actually one of the questions I'm going to ask you. I'm going to San Diego for the Holiday Bowl, which Very may nice. actually be played this year. We'll see, <laughs> and uh, and then going straight to Charlotte uh, to see if State gets to play in a, a bowl game this year. So we'll use the same joke on both games. Oh, but, uh, excellent. San Diego to Charlotte. Very, very nice. Frequent flyer miles abound. I'll start with this. Uh, is there a city in the United States that you think deserves a bowl game? Ooh, that's a great question. Um, uh, you went to college in Philly. Why can't we get a bowl game in Philly? Well, we have the Liberty Bowl. They've kind of had their, you know, that's that's where the Liberty Bowl started. So Philly's kind of had its chance. Yeah, but now it's in uh, it's in Nashville, Memphis, Memphis, Memphis. Memphis. My fault. Memphis. Yes. You're being you're getting the eminently memorable Liberty Bowl confused with the eminently memorable Music City Bowl. Yes, <laughs> only, only one of which I've covered. Uh, all right, let's see what what are we missing that would be a good place to go. I mean, what? most most of them are covered. I mean, I, the the Virgin Islands. I mean, I don't see the difference between the Virgin Islands and the Bahamas Bowl, but like, oh, why, why can't we have one in the, in in Philly? I mean, Philly would be great. I mean, the Army Navy games there. It's a it's a good solid football stadium. Um, Weather is obviously an issue. I mean, I think Lambeau would be a cool place to have a bowl. Sure. I um, I'm no, in no favor one, of no one wants to go to Green Bay in December. I would like forty more bowl games. I think if you went, as long as you field a football team, you should be bowl eligible. I'm going to go ahead and sort of disagree with you on that because I don't really want to watch a three and nine team play a two and 10 team. You don't have to watch. I don't, I'm not, I'm not watching these games. I, I I just, (laughs) you know, like, I, I, I mean, I I get the fact that if you're 500, you're going to make a bowl game, but it still feels to a certain extent to me, like you've earned something. A, A bowl game should be, should be something you earn. I mean, I realize these are exhibitions, but I also think there's some value into having them be an earned exhibition. Um, I don't know. Maybe that's just me. I, I, I'm not watching the Bahamas Bowl at this very moment, so maybe I'm not nor, the target audience. Nor am I. It's on in the studio. I am not watching it. Uh, I'm I'm waiting for wh- whatever bowl game is coming after this. There's a bowl game at 3 o'clock, too, uh, that is apparently between two teams that are ranked. Uh, Troy and Texas San Antonio are uh, are going yeah. to play. Look, I'm, I am more of a... These kids, these guys, young men who have played and practiced all season long, uh, they deserve a trip and, uh, and you know, $400 worth of bowl swag no matter where they go, uh, no matter what their think, record is. I think was. they deserve a trip if they deserve a trip. That's probably where we go. Oh, man. You're making, you're making these kids earn it. They earn it every day in practice, Luke DeCock, uh, of the News and Observer, at Luke DeCock on Twitter. Speaking of Troy, former head coach Chip Lindsey is now the new offensive coordinator at UNC, um, I am taking the wait and see approach, unlike most of South Carolina reporters took with their hiring of 
Dow Loggins as offensive coordinator at South Carolina that caused such an outburst from Shane Beamer. I couldn't even believe it. Um, do you have any thoughts on Chip Lindsay as the OC now at UNC? No, I, I, I think the the most important thing for North Carolina is going to be continuing the momentum on offense. You know, the offensive line was better this year, um, but there's turnover on the coaching staff there too. Uh, you know, Phil Longo had, had such autonomy with that offense uh, that it's going to be interesting to see whether, you know, Mac is perhaps a, a little more involved. It, you know, the, Lindsay being a former head coach leads you to believe probably probably that, that he that he'll have the same autonomy. But there's a lot to work with there, obviously, not just with Drake May, but those those young running backs are mm-hmm. really good too. Um, you know, they they uh, Omar and Hampton and those and the others played more at the start of the year than the end of the year. Um, but still, there's there's young talent there, and, and you know, I, to me, UNC's issues aren't going to be offensive, no matter who the coordinator is. I think probably you could throw you and me in there, and we'd be able to to sketch out an offense with a stick in the dirt that is going to score some points with the players they have. The the bigger issue for me on UNC is is and continues to be the you know, can the defense ever become the sum of its parts? Um, but I think probably they'll they'll be fine on offense, um, no matter who the coordinator is, and and. The fact that they got someone who's a former head coach probably isn't going to hurt. Luke Takak of the News and Observer is joining us here on the Adam Gold Show on a Friday. Can we talk about the Carolina Hurricanes and the fact that they win games without really being able to score goals, Uh, which is sort of remarkable. They've averaged less than two and a half goals. They're eight, one and five in their last 14 games. They have averaged less than two and a half goals per game in that span. And that's with a six goal night and a four goal night. How do they do that? So, so this is one of those things where it's like, here's you and me being average peon thinkers last year saying, well, the Hurricanes need to score more goals to win. <laughs> uh, and the Galaxy Brain Hurricanes are like, no, we're going to carry three goalies on the roster, and we're going to win every game one nothing. Uh, it's it's bizarre, but I, I think it it the way the Hurricanes play, the the longer they go without scoring goals regularly makes me feel, and maybe I'm just a naive, stupid, hopeless, I guess, optimist on this, but you can't create that many chances and score this few goals. There has to be a statistical rebound somewhere. There has to be some regression to the mean. And, And, yes, maybe they're not the most talented finishing team that ever laced up their skates. But they're more they're more talented than this. Yes. Uh, and 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 I think that maybe the fact that they're muddling through this offensive stretch and still piling up points uh, is a is maybe a hopeful sign for the future that if this does turn and some of this is just a, a statistical fluke, you know, kind of like you know a team that's plus ten in turnover margin in college football one year. Uh, is likely to have a worse season the next year because odds are they're going to be closer to minus 10. If this bounces back for the Hurricanes and they their shooting percentage goes four or five points above average, uh, they aren't going to be in a position where they're finishing some of these chances and, and piling up goals. Now, you say, you and I may say that, and there's I know the guy's already probably adding me on Twitter right now saying, you've been saying that for two years and it <laughs> still hasn't happened. Um, but I do believe with with the talent on this team, and, and especially some of the young talent like Natchez and, and Svechnikov, that there is still a lot of upside when it comes to finishing that that we haven't seen yet. And they're not. It's it's almost physically and mathematically impossible for a team to be this bad at finishing 
over a long period of time. That has to rebound at least a little bit. And the fact that they continue to, to, to find ways to win or at least get to overtime uh, time and time again when the offense isn't there, I, I hopefully would lead to some resilience in the long term. Yeah, uh, looking at the analytics of it, um, in terms of grade A scoring chances, that's a, the term Rod Brindamore uses. The Hurricanes are second in the NHL behind, I believe it's Florida right now, at generating grade-A scoring chance. They're second. They are last in converting them. <laughs> their, their shooting percentage on high-danger scoring chances is 7.1%. The team they just played last night, Seattle, is middle of the pack in, uh, in generating chances, but their shooting percentage is, or conversion percentage of those is 12.3%, now 12.1% after last night. Because they only yeah, could, they, the, they didn't if convert. If the Hurricanes one. Were, were clipping along at twelve percent, people would be planning the parade. I um, mean, it didn't even have to be that. If 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 it was ten percent, which is league average, there would be yeah. eight more goals, and that's just at five on five. Uh, and you know, we, we we used to talk about in, in in I hate to bring this up in the Bill Peters era when the Hurricanes <sighs> would regularly outshoot teams and lose. I, you know, I would point out that they're piling up a lot of shots, but they're not good shots. They're from the perimeter. Mm-hmm. There's no traffic in front. It's it's a mirage. It's they, this is this is a, a, a false pretext that the the shot totals don't reflect uh, the way that the games actually go. And you could see that if you looked at high danger chances, if you looked at expected goals, um, that those numbers didn't necessarily match up with the gaudy shot totals. Um, but now, but but that's not the case here. The underlying analytics are good. And everything we know about hockey from a, a mathematical, statistical sense is that this stuff should, to some degree, maybe not a huge degree, to some degree, even out in the end. Um, the fact that it's December and we're still sort of talking about it, it's a little disconcerting, but I, I can't believe that the Hurricanes are this bad a finishing team for real. I, I, there's got to be a little regression to the mean um, you've seen it. This isn't Alex Simon firing shots at the goalie's glove from 400 <laughs> feet away. Um, these are good chances. Yeah. Um, they're going to go in eventually. Maybe not all of them, but but more of them are going to go in eventually. Yep. And again, I think the fact that you're winning some of these games where you're basically having the same offense you had in the Rangers series uh, is is probably a pretty good sign. They, they 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 allow nothing. They are best in the league in fewest grade A chances allowed and the conversion rate against them is the lowest in the league at 5.8%. So they're not giving up goals in the span that we've just talked about, the 14 games. They've only allowed 2.1 goals a game. That's why they're 8-1-5 eight, eight, in that span because they're, on average, winning by almost a half goal a game. Luke DeCock is joining us. I know you mentioned it before. They're going to carry three goalies. Um, you know, I'm joking around with Rod every time I talk to him before a game. He's not. He doesn't want to even think about the decision. I'm sure they've thought about it. I mean, the kid's the goalie now, isn't he? I mean, I think he's the goalie for now. I, I, I you know, you, you, the the one luxury the Hurricanes have here uh, is they can ride the hot hand for as long as they want to ride the hot hand. And right now, you know, Kachikov's the hot hand. That doesn't necessarily have to stay that way. I, and I think the the great thing about having eventually three healthy goalies is you are in a position where you can you can do that. You know, if if, if Kachakov cools off, you've got two veteran NHL guys, proven mm-hmm. NHL guys, who can step in and play. And if one of them cools off, you've got other options. 
salary cap wise, roster wise, they're in a position where they can carry all three for as long as they want. There's no pressure to make a change there. You know, if it ends up being Anderson and Ranta for a period of time, obviously they're going to want the kid to get some work. But there's no uh, there's no hurry. There's no impetus for that. There's it's it's let the kid let the kid cook and see what happens. And yeah, I mean, if you end up in April and he's your guy, then he's your guy, and you, and, and you ride with him. But there's there's no you don't have to decide that now. You and I don't have to pencil him in for the first game no, no. of the playoffs now. You know, let let it happen. And but yes, for the moment, for December and probably through Christmas and maybe New Year's, you know, it's 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 his until something happens that says otherwise. Um, and if that happens, then you you cross that bridge when you come to it because you, it's not like there's a Scott Darling or an Eddie Lack who's the other option. Your other <laughs> options are really good. Adam Gold here with my man, Coach Pete Deruta, Capital Financial Advisory Group. Are most of your clients hands-on or they just give you their money and let it work for them? About 90% give the money and then we meet every year and go through status reports, sure. have a financial pit stop, making sure everything's fine. It is like a puzzle, Adam, but for the next 10 of you, we'll solve your own retirement puzzle at no cost or obligation. Call and claim your comprehensive review with Coach Pete and the team, 888-843-0013 or text Adam to 600-700. Adam Gold is a paid spokesman. Investment advisory services offered by Capital Financial Advisory Group, a North Carolina registered investment advisor. Yeah, they haven't played all that well. That's the, my only trepidation there is if Freddie were playing better than I could see, just say, all right, Freddie, it's your gig back. But um, and yeah, no, we, he hasn't he hasn't earned it this year. No, so he's got to he's got to win it back. And you know what? Look, we all get motivated for different reasons. It's been Freddie's job since about this time last year. Maybe a little a little fire under his butt is what Freddie Anderson needs to get back to playing the way he did in the regular season last year. Uh, before I ask you about the uh, the World Cup, um, I know you've written uh, a bunch recently about the courage. Uh, what is uh, we so we got more news? I guess the uh, current courage player said that the abuse under Paul Riley wasn't just isolated to when he was with Portland, but that it happened here. Uh, what has disturbed you about that? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's that um, it's the fact that it didn't end. Um, and the fact that she didn't feel comfortable, even in the environment after the original allegations were released, even in the, the Yates report that U.S. Soccer did, that it wasn't until the joint NWSL and WSLPA investigation that, that Kaylee Kurtz felt comfortable coming forward to say that she realized that she believed that Paul Riley was grooming her, um, which I know is a loaded political term these days. But this mm-hmm. is the actual use of it, which is, you know, uh, the, uh, the gaslighting and the the abuse that puts someone in a position where you could potentially sexually abuse them, which is what you know Riley had done at other points in his career, and the courage were adamant that they hadn't seen here. But then you find out from this report that there were complaints that he was weight shaming players, and there were complaints that uh, he was doing other things like threatening national team opportunities. Um, and so this had been going on the whole time, and the courage players didn't feel like they could report it or when they did report it to the team as, as Kurt did to an assistant general manager, her concerns were minimized. So, you know, this whole courage position from the beginning uh, has been, you know, well, you know, we tried to look into his history in Portland and nobody would tell us the truth and he was great here. Well, it turns out that not only was he not great here, uh, they were criticized in this latest report for not being diligent enough in uncovering what Riley did in Portland. Um, Even when his name came up for the U.S women's national team job and Cindy Parlo Cohn, who's the president of U S soccer and, and, and very uh, involved in the NCFC youth program uh, realized he wasn't a, he wasn't a suitable candidate for the women's national team because of that history. He continued to coach the courage. No one ever said, Hey, maybe this is a bad guy. 
Um, so I think there's just an incredible amount of uh, will, uh, will, will, willful disbelief and negligence on the part of Courage Management. And at some point, um, someone's got to be held accountable for this. It's not just Paul Riley. Um, they created an environment where, as players said, it was a culture of fear, and no one in management seemed to want to do anything about it. At one point in the report, uh, they said they thought the league was going to handle it. We know now that the <laughs> league wasn't doing anything, no. <laughs> but there's an obligation on the part of the Courage at some point. What well, One, to answer for any of this, it's been 48 hours, and they haven't said a word. Yep. Nothing. It's 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 kind of gross, actually. It basically says that they were okay with it. Who you got? To, uh, who you got on Sunday? Argentina or I France? Think it's, no, I think it's Messi's time. I think France is actually a better team, but I just get that team of destiny sense from Argentina, and you know, it's it's like uh, the the yin and the yang of of Ronaldo and Messi. Um, Ronaldo going out in tears, crying, useless. Uh, I think Messi goes out on top. The uh, the difference in this game is that Argentina is actually the best defensive team that made the knockout, that made the final 16. And it's not close. They are wickedly good defensively. So, And the, they also have that messy guy. Um, yeah. And they've got I mean, other guys France who can is finish. A, is, you know, overall, goal line to goal line, probably a, a better, more talented, deeper mm-hmm. team. But I... I think Argentina's just got that sense to them that they're going to find a way. I mean, they, they've found a way against teams other teams have struggled to find a way against. I, I just feel like that's going to happen again. Luke Takak, uh, appreciate your time, man. Uh, we'll talk to you uh, next Friday. Before the holiday, we'll, uh, we'll, 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 I don't know, we'll give out Christmas presents or something. Awards. We'll come up with some awards. Oh, we can do that. Let's, we'll do awards. Uh, I'll talk All to you right. later, man. Thanks. Did you know that your unused medications could end up in the wrong hands? It's important to keep your medication secure in a locked location, such as a locking box or locking cabinet. When it's time to dispose of them, safety and properly dispose of old, expired, or unused meds by using an at-home disposal product or a medication disposal box in your community. Don't miss out on medication take-back events happening near you. Don't let anyone take what's yours. Lock your meds. Be aware. Don't share. Learn more at lockyourmeds.org nc.